Welcome, my loves, to our panel on dating in 2023 in the land of apps, fuckboys, hookup culture, and the magic that we're deciding to invite into those experiences amidst what we're navigating together. My name is Reva Wild. I will be your host. I'm one of the co-CEOs of Wild Grace. And I'm so excited for us to be leaning into this conversation because this conversation is the conversation I end up having with every woman I talk to. And it's not just because I teach on relationship, like all of the women in my life, this is the conversation we end up in at some point in time around dating, partnership, relationship, and what it is to be navigating the world that we're navigating when it comes to inviting partnership and connection and erotic aliveness in a way that's really nourishing for us. So I'm really, really excited for us to be able to be in this really powerful discussion and conversation in a raw and real way that isn't just going to love and light wash all over the challenges and complexities and honest, like raw, hilarious, ridiculous moments of what it is to be dating in these times that we find ourselves in. And also to invite kind of that like real seed of hope, power, and an invitation for you and your dating life to experience more of what you're wanting to experience and maybe to understand why there are some things that are impacting, why it might not be going as smoothly as many of us have been hoping that it will go. So once again, my name is Reva Wild. I'm one of the co-CEO, co-CEOs of the Wild Grace Movement alongside this magnificent woman named Freya McFarlane. She's one of the co-directors. We also have Melody Lubin, who's one of the head trainers at Wild Grace. Natalie Ford, who is a relationship coach, Jennifer Nadia, who's here bringing in her magic, and this is very rare but very magical, we do have Stephen Rowland here, who's the CEO of RelationFlix, and we'll be bringing in the male perspective to what is it like being on dating apps, which I seriously, after this, want you to go on a dating app and like scroll video. What does it look like from your perspective? I've always been curious. What does this look like on the other side? Sit back. Hope you got some tea, something sexy to wear, and yeah, maybe some popcorn because this is going to be quite the delicious experience of being with the real dating stories of embodied human beings navigating this world. So first, I'm going to invite these panelists to introduce themselves and kind of like a quick little juicy snippet of essentially like who are you and why are you here here on this panel why do you care about dating in 2023 why is this important for you and yeah why are you choosing to invest your time and aliveness in your precious life to be here with us and i'm going to throw this to my business wife first freya i'd love to hear from you introduce yourself love i think dating's absolutely fascinating and Melody and I had some great sushi conversation about our personal world of dating recently and being on apps. And uh, we got really excited about having a conversation. I wanted to really approach this more as the user experience. I'm an embodiment facilitator. I work with sexuality. I work with intimacy, both from the individual's experience, from the couple's experience, and relating to self and other. But I really want to share the juicy stories, the how-to, and the what we can experience in this world and kind of have a bit of a reframe is what Melody and I talked about 
having this discussion. So I'm here both from the professional standpoint, but also from the user experience. Gorgeous. Thank you for bringing yourself in. Natalie, I will hand this one off to you next. Thanks, Reva. Hi, everybody. I'm Natalie Ford. I am an online dating expert and also Forever Love Coach. I'm here because I want for women to have a better experience in dating. A lot of women come to me frustrated and unable to really find the type of partners that they're looking for online. And um, I want to change that. I'm going to drop in some guidance today. Um, also, my own personal experience of finding my forever man online, um, but also some guidance around, you know, some of the ways that that you can make this process easier for yourself, some of the ways that you can actually up-level the results that you're getting and take the frustration out of online dating and bring back like the fun flow, the freedom, um, so that it feels a little bit more like in-person dating, but just more productive, more, you know, results-oriented because that's we've all got valuable time and want to make the most of that. So, yeah, thanks so much for having me here. I'm excited. Jennifer, I'd love to bring you in. Hello, everyone. And thank you for having me. I'm an empowerment and sex coach and an embodiment practitioner. So the reason why I'm here is because I feel like I have all the experiences if it concerns dating. I think I've had all the weird stories that I can tell you, all the juicy little weird stories, the funny stories. I have a lot of experience in that field personally, but also professionally. So I am here for all the questions and I'm very excited about that so thank you beautiful thank you for being here Melody introduce yourself darling hello thanks Riva my name is Melody and I am one of the world craze trainers and I work in the realms of sacred sexuality feminine embodiment and feminine principles yeah I was out for dinner with Freya and we were just having this epic conversation about our recent experiences um, we both felt really inspired about bringing this conversation out there I feel really passionate about demystifying and normalizing dating apps I won't go too much into it now before the conversation gets started but I feel like there's a lot of You'll be guided to your one. My whole ethos is kind of radical self-responsibility, creation of your reality. So if you want to be dating and if you want to find love, I believe that there's some active participating that needs to be done. And I feel like the dating apps are an epic way to do that. So I'm really excited about this conversation and just sharing my own experiences. And I've been on them for a while. So sharing things that I've learned about myself mainly through this app. Beautiful. Thank you for bringing that in. And Stephen, love to hear from you. Introduce yourself. Thank you. Hey, everyone. My name is Stephen. Uh, I'm a self-anointed relationship super nerd. Background is in emotional intelligence, compassionate communication, attachment theory, and trauma healing, sacred sexuality as well. I'm also the CEO and founder of a video subscription service platform that specializes in relationship education via e-courses called RelationFlix. I'm super stoked to be here. You know, dating apps is such a juicy, rich topic. There's many of us who are engaging them. And, you know, particularly if we have a background in, in personal growth, self-development, and are on the spiritual path, um, I think many of us know that just by proxy, the more that we work on ourselves, the smaller our dating pool gets. And so introducing dating apps into that dynamic just creates this whole clusterfuck of nuance to to identify track and and play in the sandbox with so i'm excited to be here and be in conversation with you all with that oh the clusterfuck 
Oh, we're going to go right into that. So I'm going to invite us into, we'll first kind of go into like the realm of like the challenge, the complexity, the what's impacting us to have these challenging experiences of dating. Like I can't see all you loves because we're in webinar style, but I imagine if I asked, like put up your hand if you've experienced challenges in navigating at online dating and just dating in general, like everyone's throwing their hands up being like, what is this world that we're navigating? Especially when we're coming from uh, what I often find to be like the romanticized idea of like Freya was writing about this the other day, like we met in this park and shared crackers and fed ducks and it was beautiful. Like these stories that were given of how we're supposed to fall in love, how we're supposed to meet partners and the way that will make it like juicy and meaningful and full of like spiritual grist. And I'm really excited to invite, yeah, this like raw conversation around what is it to lean into these apps and be with the challenge of, yeah, the online dating world? So I'd love to start with like anyone who's ready to hop in from our panel who would love to talk about some of the challenges and complexities that we meet in our own patterns, in other people's patterns when we start working with dating apps. Melody, I saw your hand go up. Go for it. Okay. I was actually having a long conversation with a friend about this the other day. One of the biggest things that I experience First off, within dating realms is when living in a metropolitan city, my experience is that men don't really approach women. This is very heterosexual, but that is my experience. Men don't really approach women because they're fearful of the response that they're going to get from women. So going on a dating app kind of gives this mutual understanding that you're there for romantic interest. So instantly everybody feels safer or better received or however it is that they want to come across. So that's kind of like my understanding and experience of being on these apps. And what I would say with the challenge of this is that these apps are reflecting and mirroring back to you exactly where you are at. So if you are going on these apps trying to get something, if you are going on these apps trying to be saved or be rescued from yourself, if you haven't actually done the work to open, you're going to end up going on these apps, going on these dates and have all these experiences of heartbreak, of being stood up, of all these kind of very typical things that you hear about the online dating world, ghosting, all of this kind of stuff. And I think the hardest thing for me on my journey with these apps was seeing the reflection of where I actually wasn't fully available and where I was going on there to find my true one, as opposed to just going on there to meet people and hang out and see how it evolves. Because I was so fearful of A, being rejected, of A, being stood up, of A, wasting my time, of going on all these dates and them disappointing me. And then every single date that I went on, I was disappointed or he stood me up or he ghosted me because that was what I was so fearful of happening. And for me, like a real big part of my journey, because I've been on and off of these apps for about seven years and a real big part of my journey is changing my relationship with how I see dating is changing my relationship with how I see myself. Like, am I actually fully open? Am I willing to get to know somebody? Am I swiping and going for a particular type? Or am I actually saying that I'm as open as I think I am? Since kind of going on this deeper exploration, my whole relationship and the dates that I'm magnetizing has shifted completely. But the challenge is my relationship with the app. That's my challenge. 
Like, how am I seeing the app? What am I using it for? I'm really hearing that kind of reflection back into like the challenge being your relationship with the mirror that the dating app and the people in it or the patterns that emerge in it offer you and what it is for us to be navigating and for this for you, which I've seen in many clients and people and even myself when I've used dating apps, that recognition of like the challenge of really seeing ourselves and seeing the places where like we're embodied, we're sexy, we're alive and we're closed, we're learning, we're challenged in these different parts. So I really appreciate you bringing that in because dating is often just a big old mirror coming back to look at you and what's really happening. Thank you for bringing that in. Natalie, I'd love to hear from your perspective, some of the challenges that you've experienced or that clients experience. Like what are the challenges that people are talking about and bringing to you or that you've experienced? Thanks, Rima. Yeah, I was I was actually just taking a moment to reflect my former journey before I maybe was aware of the pieces that Melody was speaking to, an, an older version of me, let's say, where I remember just being so hung up on very much how people looked, whether or not I found them hyper-attractive, my version of hyper-attractive. And then I would be very focused on, you know, do they have the right job? Um, does it look as though they've got a difficult relationship history? I, I would be like almost hunting for red flags in a way of trying to protect myself from potential adversities. And then I would narrow it down to like, you know, maybe three that I thought, oh, the, these are the ones, you know, these are the ones. And so then I'd get pluck up the courage of, I drop them a message, but obviously, you know, not 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 too not too forward, a little bit casual, you know, trying to trying to play it easy, um, you know, sort of laid back, and then I'd sort of wait almost with bated breath for them to reply. And guess what? They didn't. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be checking the app, and and every time I saw like that they hadn't responded, it would be a further impact to disheartenment and disbelief and loss of hope, and just like you know. Am I allowed to swear on here? <laughs> Fuck, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> and yeah, it did take quite a lot of personal growth to, to get to a place where that experience shifted. And, and I do see this a lot in the clients that I work with. But something I think, Reva, you spoke with in the beginning was a lot of my clients come to me and they're like, so I put up my profile, I put up my pictures, and they sort of waited for people to message me. I'm like, I'm only getting like these dregs, you know, the dregs of the barrel messaging me. And I'm like, that's because you're sitting on your tush, not actually doing anything. <laughs> I fully agree with this piece that you need to be active. You need to be out there. And if we've been really hurt in the past, that can be so challenging. This hesitancy to want to express our authenticity and to be vulnerable and say, hey, I'm looking for love. You know, you look pretty attractive and, and I feel something here and, you know, I'd love to explore it and then risk that dreaded no message back. Mm -hmm. So you loves don't have access to our like panelist chat and I'm really sad for you because it's really amusing. And Melody reflecting back something that you said, Natalie, around that like journey for the one that like consumes us. 
and often has all of these different patterns of fear around rejection, fear of leaning in, fear of putting ourselves out. And also this like deep narrowing down to like, I've got these three choices and I'm just going to like look at them and admire them and like stew in all my fantasies and be here in the idea that it might, it might just happen. They might just message me or I like send them something or like, like them. Like the ways that you can like, like them or swipe them or like, just give that like bare minimum amount of like, here's a kiss of attention. And you're like, but I want a life partner and I'll offer a kiss of attention. And you, yeah, like reflecting back, like that part of the learning journey of what is it to actively step into our, essentially our relationship with relationship and the relationship that we're wanting. Beautiful. I just actually love to add on that. I think you articulated it really beautifully because I, I actually palpably felt the weightiness of what you were describing. That sort of all that weight that gets lumped onto the potential for connection. And that's all projection, you know, for those of us that are sort of aware of, of, of our own projections. That's that's all this hope and desire for what might be and what this person might fulfill in our life and how we might then feel and you know, what it might, in quotes, fix that's wrong with our life. And, and when when you feel that you're putting that much weight onto something, it's a big red flag for yourself that actually you're just setting yourself up to fail. So a big part of what I coach my clients around is actually being, keeping that energy within and and not putting so much of it on the process so that if it doesn't happen with that particular guy, you don't fall flat on your face. You know, you keep your power and your strength within you. So beautiful. Jennifer, I'd love to invite you in to, yeah, share what are some of the challenges that come up in your experience with dating the apps and navigating this landscape? I had um, two things coming up. I was just going to mention them now in case I forget one of them. One is pickiness and the other one is boredom. So I'll start with the pickiness because I got, um, reminded about that with the share of melody and I definitely think one of the things I get confronted with a lot because there's such an overwhelm of choices on the dating app kind of becomes can become like a game where you're just sitting and swiping and you don't even register the person I get confronted with my pickiness and I feel the guilt in my body when I swipe I don't know if it's left or right I can't never remember which is which but if I decline people, I feel a guiltiness in the, within me because it feels like I'm rejecting so many and they might be really lovely people. But at the same time, it's really important for me that I do cho- choose people that feel aligned with my path. And like Stephen has said before, I've done a lot of work. So it's on myself and I know kind of really what I want. So it's also a healthy for me, I realized like a lot of emotions are coming up just by swiping and doing the choices and making the choices. So for me, as an embodied person, it's really important to also deal with that, like because it that will have an impact on me. So I was wrapping it around with that. So that is a huge topic for me. And the second one is on boredom. I have to be honest about that. Um, in the whole dating world, I'm a person, I'm not going solemnly by looks. I'm going a lot about communication. It's really, really important. So I'm a sapiosexual. So on dating apps, I very quickly get bored if someone didn't really write a lot of explanations or like the profile isn't written or the first few messages are just like the standard boring questions or I ask really interesting questions and then 
doesn't really get back. So I often get bored with apps <laughs> and I forget to reply to people. And then, and then they delete me after one day because apparently on apps, you should reply instantly and I don't follow that. So those are my challenges, like boredom and enough. I think there's something in that for everyone in our learning and kind of that balance that I heard you bring in, Natalie, of what is it to notice the parts of our standards or ideals that are in this place of like pickiness, entitlement, like putting ourselves so high on a pretty little pedestal that we can't actually be human with other people. And just how, like, I've had that pattern. I've experienced so many of my girlfriends in our conversational chats around men specifically, and like for like women who date men, like that experience. And it's like, what is it to differentiate as you're inviting Melody, that space of like entitlement, I'm better than you. I'm picky to protect myself in contrast with, oh, these are just the standards. They're just neutrally here. Um, As Melody would say, it just is. (laughs) This is what I'm going to accept and desire in relationship, and this isn't. So I really appreciate you bringing that piece in. Oh, okay, Freya. Tell me. Challenges. Bring them in. Challenges. The, The biggest challenge I see with dating apps, and I've really tracked this in myself and had to unwind the conditioning, is that I'm there was a trying to get somewhere and as soon as I let go of the trying to get somewhere I could actually see that there was a a process that wanted to happen in small interactions in small loops that was actually cleansing and clearing my field ready for bigger interactions and ultimately more deep and profound connections so I would go on dates and it wasn't quite what I was looking for. or And at first I was like, oh, that was a fail. And then there was this, oh, actually, no, there was a deep insight in refinement of what was happening there. And he really gave me this massive gift in articulating what I'm looking for. And there's a nuance that happens in the chats on apps where I can quickly see what's unfolding so if i'm meeting somebody out in the real world for instance that loop of awareness of this person isn't actually going to go deeper with me is much bigger and can take a longer period of time whereas i find on apps that loop of awareness can be a conversation that just spans an hour or maybe two dates but it's refining me in a really deep way and as soon as i made that shift i turned what i was perceiving as a challenge into a a fucking superhero experience in my body. And um, and then I stopped feeling like I was wasting my time and I suddenly felt like I was actually really in a process because when you focus on this, I need to get somewhere, you know, I'm looking for a long-term partner, but if I'm not in these long-term partner experiences, then I must be wasting my time. There's, no, there's none of that happening anymore. So that would be my biggest contribution towards that question. I really appreciate the recognition of where like you're saying that part of you has been taught to be like, this is a waste of time. If it's not like leading to long-term partnership right now, and that's not what they want, then it's a waste of my time. And that reframe into like, what am I learning about what is possible and what 
I'm refining myself into being able to receive and experience and be a yes to in relationship. And I'll just mirror, yeah, that's also still challenging. And just holding that too. Like superhero work is magic and that doesn't necessarily take away the challenging part of the learning there. <laughs> Amazing. Alrighty, Stephen, I would love the masculine perspective on this and the challenges in navigating specifically dating apps, but dating and specifically like, please, please share with us. What, what are you experiencing? What are men experiencing that you can track and understand? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I've got a few, I got a few layers here, so I'll try to make it succinct and, and bottom line it. But for me, relationship and creating meaningful connections with people is so much an energetic resonance game. People in my inner musician framework, it's uh, the way that I hold it is people are like music notes, you know, like we all kind of embody and hold this very unique flavor and frequency. And we all kind of sit somewhere on the keyboard and some notes are played extraordinarily together and it creates this beautiful, resonant, powerful, emotional movement. And some music notes just create dissonance and discomfort and tension and contraction when they're played together. And it's very difficult to get a sense of that on a dating app profile because we're not there in person. And I think this is one of the like, most fundamental uh, challenges with dating apps is it's really hard to get an accurate read on a person's frequency unless they are just an absolute rock star with filling out just a high potency, deeply character appropriate dating app. By character appropriate, I mean it's like deeply a reflection and expression of who they are. And um, I find that at least like in in my uh, little corner of the dating app world is like I see a lot of just like blank profiles, just like an overall lack of effort into someone really putting themselves out there with who they are. There's like the common kind of dating app um, cliches, like people arguing about like if pineapple's appropriate on pizza or like they're bragging that they're good at Mario Kart or it's like, like what's that hinge prompt? The best way to ask me out is buy and then the person populates their response. And the response that I see so often is, just ask me it's like okay duh thanks that gives me absolutely nothing so you know it's like i find that like the more that we can really put who we are into our profile and all the mechanisms that we have available to us that's our pictures the audio prompts the video prompts and particularly um our, our bio the more that we can actualize who we are into that very limited structure, I think that's just such a huge win. And like, the effort, like actually the effort, when people go through the effort to do that, that's what gets my attention. And I think another, like in, in tandem with this, is the way that people are socialized to use their phones. I mean, many of us who are, who are business owners, entrepreneurs, coaches use it to facilitate and execute on our purpose. So it's used for productivity purposes, but I would say by and large, 80% of the time or higher, people are using their phone for recreational purposes. They're using it for quick dopamine hits. And so we've, we have over a decade of historical mobile phone use that's programmed us to use our phone for dopamine hits and the quicker that it's delivered, the better. 
I think because people have neuropathways carved in to use their phones that way, they use dating apps in the same way. And so basically like the prof what moves them to engage in a profile is to what degree does this give me a dopamine hit or not which is just an absolute terrible way to discern if this pers person is an appropriate human to engage with or not and so like the question that i like to ask myself is to what degree am i to what level of presence am i bringing to my dating app scrolling am i doing it because it's like i just am bored and i like want to like have like just a little bit of stimulation or am I here to like really drop in with this person and get the best sense that I can to see if it's something that I want to invest my time and energy in? And I think the more that we slow down and give ourselves permission to kind of step out of mobile phone use paradigm and engage with dating apps in a slower, more deeply present way, I think that supports finding those energetic resonant matches. Mm, very powerfully put. Yeah. Something that I kind of like resonate with, and I've spoken with many folks about this is the recognition of that fast gratification, going to like instant gratification culture, and where it creates loops in our social culture that feed back into us of entitlement around sex, food, money, quickness, like being engaged and stimulated all the time. We live in worlds of hyper-stimulation and the impacts that that's having in our experience of leaning into really deep, slow, long, juicy experiences, all of the things that we talk about in tantric experiences. So I, yeah, I have a lot of appreciation for you bringing that in because it's something that we're all navigating. So the next question that's kind of come in actually from our Q&A, which feels really exciting. We're going to continue to be in the dark side, dark feminine mystery school. So here we go. I'm curious about hearing from each of us, like what are you tracking or understanding is creating the toxic is a word to kind of put it terrible, like unhealthy, painful and harmful behavior that we're seeing in dating and specifically on dating apps. Freya has messaged me saying, I want this, talk to me. So we're throwing it to Freya. <laughs> I think a big one is accountability. We, we come from a culture historically where if I was dating somebody who was in my community, they, they would be aware of their behavior, how they treated me, how they speak about me, how they, how they refer to me. And then if the relationship came to an end, they would know that okay, I want to end this with love, loving respect, not just for myself, not just for, for the other person, but because I, we're still going to be a part of the same community. Whereas in the dating app culture, we can have a whole interaction. We can go through a series of dates. We may even get into a committed relationship, but we haven't yet reached the point of integrating into each other's community, which means that there isn't the same accountability. And in some cases, you can have all these interactions through an app, and then they ghost you or something. And there's absolutely no accountability. No one's there behind them or in their community saying, tracking their behavior and saying, hey, I actually really feel like you need to reflect on, on how this played out and, and, and honoring that. So that's a big one because then we need to be self-accountable and we need to line up with our own values and ethos. And I feel like this toxic behavior, again, is coming back to where these loops have not yet fully played out. So how am I behaving in my community with the people around me, both personally and professionally? And if they haven't been, been healed, dealt with, looked at, 
integrated into our system, they're just going to play out faster through dating apps because we're engaging with dopamine, because there's lots of stimulation coming from maybe 20 messages. And so we need to make sure that we're grounded, integrated, doing enough of our own personal work to be able to show up with a level of integrity. Furthermore, there's a sense that as as many of the other panelists have spoke to, that some people are coming in for these dopamine hits because they're interacting with the phone use rather than the awareness of, oh, I'm interacting with another human being on the other end of the screen. And when we just have that, that 2D interaction rather than like skin, blood, feeling, texture, is there as much respect? Is there as much integration of how am I impacting this other human being if I'm just seeing a picture, if I haven't necessarily spoken to them yet on the phone? These are the things I think about. And I, and I have a feeling that other panelists are contemplating that too. And that you are beautifully spoken. I'm just going to let that land and bring it right into Melody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like just riffing off of what Freya said, essentially, we've got lazy, right? Like we've got lazy on meeting each other. We've got lazy on communicating with each other. And I think for me, there's so many layers within, within all of this, but essentially we're at the forefront of establishing what healthy relationships look like. If we look at generational um, examples. Many of us do not come from healthy generational examples of what relationships look like. Many of us grew up in abusive or toxic or incommunicative households. So we're kind of really at the forefront of re-establishing what it means for healthy relationships to take place. And I feel like the apps, it's like, again, riffing off of what Freya said, how can we hold ourselves to our own values and standards? How can we be the ones showing the, hey, actually, it's been nice talking to you, but I don't feel there's a connection that I want to pursue. Or after two dates, creating some kind of container and be like, hey, I know we've only just started hanging out, but if you don't want to connect anymore, I'd love for you just to let me know. Like asking for the things that we know that we need and being the embodiment and the example of creating that so that the, that, that person has the experience and then maybe next time they go forth with those things. Because I think it's so easy. And again, this goes back to the very first thing that I said, but like my experience when I was super closed and not available for relationship, I had some pretty horrendous dates and it allowed me to continuously blame the apps for my disappointment. And now that I've kind of been doing all this work, I've just met this really great guy that I've been going on a couple of dates with through an app. And it's like, Cool, the work works. And how do we become the embodiment and hold ourselves to the things that we value as important? Where are we contributing to the toxicity that we so want to say is playing out for us? And really, and I'm not saying that there isn't people on there that are there to fuck around and have sex and have one night stands. So going back to what Stephen said, be really clear in your bio. My bio is so specific. It's like, I'm looking for somebody in a long, that wants long-term relationship. I'm looking for somebody that wants to go to the depths of themselves. I'm looking for somebody that wants to navigate trials and tribulations. And it's like, somebody that wants to have sex with me isn't going to swipe right for that because that is a lot for somebody that just wants a one-night stand. You know, And it's like, how can we be as clear as possible if 
like if we're actually there for relationship, how are we showing up to the relationship? Because the moment that they see you is the moment that they're feeling you. And I think it's so easy just to say like, oh, apps are toxic. But that's not true. There's billions of people on these apps. So how can we shift our relationship to show up and be the thing that we're trying to attract? As always, there's a potency that you speak with Melody that gets right to the heart of how do we show up? How do we choose to engage in showing up to our lives, our dating, our relationship, and really take kind of like the layers of responsibility that we can take on and choose to show up for that? And I'll also just kind of like highlight a moment that you shared to kind of like make this be seen too. It's like we are navigating generations of traumatized relationship. Relationships that have come from world wars. And I don't think we take that in powerfully enough. It's like those were our grandparents' lives and our great-grandparents' lives, the ones that raised our parents especially those of us in like westernized cultures. It's like we were impacted by that deeply and it continues to ripple through. And that's just one example of the different ways that we are impacted by the social, historical, generational, right, wrong, good, bad, violent loops that move through us. So just to kind of like anchor in like what we're doing when we're choosing to show up differently for a relationship is transforming all the places where that history meets us and where we've been taught to play certain roles, be a certain way. And like, there's like a fucking superpower there that's being pointed to. And I want to just really acknowledge like the resilience and the care and the power that it is to step into this work this way. Thank you so much for bringing that up, Melody. Steven, I see your hand up. Bring it in. Yeah, this kind of piggybacks on what Freya was speaking to and the the low integrity behavior with very low levels of accountability. And, and, and again, I just come back to the piece about how we're being socialized to engage with technology. You know, it's like I look at the, the term I'm going to use is disposable dating culture. You know, if like we rewind the tape 200 years, it's like the paradigm of relationships back then 300 years, 400 years, it was about survival. And of course, like in the grander context of human history, that is a micro blink of an eye. So it's like not that long ago that we engaged with relationships from a very specific context. You know, we'd get married at the age of 16, 18 years old, have like six or eight kids so that they could all help out on the farm and help all help feed and take care of each other. And, you know, like young children removed, were removed from school at the age of five, six, seven years old. And, you know, fast forward to today and like the paradigm of relationships is not about survival. Most of us in, in Western culture, at least have, have access to taking care of ourselves where to the degree where most of us don't need a relationship to be dependent on our survival, which is, you know, you know, a, a privileged place to be in. And so, you know, I also think it's worthy to acknowledge that the fact that we get to have these conversations and like really be on the front lines and in the trenches doing the work and and creating new ways of being with relationship is profoundly trailblazing because it's you know in our history we haven't really had that available to us and so you know we're super blessed in standing on the shoulders of giants with all of our ancestors 
for us to be here even doing this work. So I feel like that's worthy to acknowledge. But back to disposable dating culture, it's like there's so many options available. You know, there's so many different dating apps. And depending on where you're living, there's a, a variety of amount of people that we can choose on dating apps. And so it kind of conditions us to just be like, nope, 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 nope. And it's just, it's such low effort to put ourselves in front of a new potential prospect, relational prospect. Whereas, you know, like, again, 200 years ago, we had to like go out and meet people in the community. And, you know, we didn't have telephones, you know, back then even. So right now, just like the low effort it takes to get so many things that we want, uh, a movie on Netflix, um, a video on YouTube, a, a dopamine hit on Instagram or TikTok, uh, like meal delivery apps like Uber Eats, for example, it's like we can get gourmet meals that are artistically made delivered straight to us with a low effort, low energy investment. And so just overall, we're being conditioned for high reward with low energy investment. And I think people bring that to the dating app space. And it just makes it really easy for people to just ignore people and be like, nope, this isn't exactly what I want. So, you know, fuck off. I'm not going to even message you back. It's like just such low effort. And, you know, at least, at least on my side, I actually enjoy bringing effort as like a way of tipping the scales in the other direction. Cause you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of effort. I'd say effort's one of my love languages. I appreciate that both the care for effort and the, uh, oh, I could talk about this forever. Um, something that feels potent in what you brought in is like that recognition and kind of like Melody pointed to, to this too, this like addictive culture. Like we are in a culture that invites us into addictive pattern and behavior around the aspects of life that are so like vitally important, like connection and relationship. And it waters those experiences down for the potency that they really are and what it is to like really take in that we have been taught to try to get low hanging fruit for our relational experiences and like, look at that and be like, why don't I have the top of the tree fruit? And to really recognize where we live in a social culture that has been feeding that. And what it takes to really choose, it's like, I'm going to climb to the top of the tree through all of the learning and all of the complexity that that brings up to have the relationships that are full of effort and care. So I really appreciate that. Jennifer, bring yourself in. I feel like most of the things have been said. Um, I can only add, uh, like, that was really um, nice what um, I've heard so far. I would add the the only topic I would add is the options. We have like in a sociological perspective, we have so many options at this moment that it kind of creates this feeling of nothing is ever enough and we always want more and better. So I see that as a huge thing that is happening in dating. So we don't commit to someone because deep within we still feel like there is someone that is better fitting for us. Um, and I see that playing out all the time in like different, different levels, but I see that playing out all the time. So for me, that is a huge thing. Yeah. The non-committal link to too many options. And for me, the, another one is honesty. Uh, I think we are, it's so, it's become so easy to just 
ghost people to just not reply, to just delete the app and go away, that we forgot to communicate honestly with people. And I think um, in this fast-paced dating life world, this has become uh, often we're not honest with each other. We're not um, showing up as our true self. We create a mask or a different persona. Or we create even like the illusion we create from the other person, right? When I'm like seeing a picture and I'm reading a profile, I probably, usually I create an illusion, like I create uh, an image of this person. And if I'm then not ready to meet the actual person behind it, it also creates a lot of toxicity. And the same if that happens with me, right? If a person just steps in and sees me and just sees me as the projections and illusions they have put on on me instead of really seeing the true me. So I, yeah, I would like to leave it with that. Otherwise, I continue talking about it forever. <laughs> it's a theme with all of us. The piece that you're talking about with like the masks that we wear, I see that so often in kind of like my history and in my clients, the space of like, I'll try to show up as this person because that's who this person wants to date, right? Is the person who looks like this and talks like this and acts like this. But I haven't actually asked that person, who's the kind of person that you want to date to even create my own mask? And at the same time, it's like creating this false being. And then we wonder why relationships fall apart, tensions emerge, or that kind of like clash of illusion meets. And often those are relationships that don't really go anywhere because we're not being in relationship with each other and with our realness and our rawness, which includes our messiness, which includes the patterns we're all navigating as much as our magic and our gold. We usually end up hiding all those pieces in trying to be enough. A relationship. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that in. Natalie. Thanks, Reva. Um, so yeah, something to add to what's been said and also to answer one of the questions on the, the Q&A to some extent. So there's a question on the QA, which is, how do you balance the allowing of a man to pursue a woman with putting yourself out there on the dating apps? I don't want to take over the masculine role. I feel like if I'm making first contact or first moves that it may put a guy off and put me in the role of pursuer. How do you balance that? So first of all, thank you. It's an awesome question. So I guess there's two pieces that we're uncovering in the conversation here. So one is authenticity, right? Be yourself and trust that that's enough. Trust that that is perfect and good enough and exactly what is needed to call in your perfect person because your perfect person is going to want you not a version of yourself that you're trying to be to be liked or to be loved or to be good enough etc so authenticity 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 is what i would say and in answer to this particular question i'm hearing that you know there's been an experience of maybe being too much in the masculine energy for what feels true for you. I, I don't think anybody else should determine how much masculine or feminine energy, energy anyone should have other than what feels true and right for you. But I also know that the masculine energy is a protector. And if we've been hurt and wounded, we're carrying trauma, then we tend to lead with the masculine energy. And actually, maybe there may be an authentic desire to bring more feminine energy forward. And I totally hear that. So in terms of this particular question, I actually feel like 
Dating is the pursuit of a desire. And that actually, in terms of energetic camps, that is in the masculine camp of, of energetic resonance. So what I teach a lot of my clients is that actually the pursuit of your desires, the, the finding your forever person does lead with masculine energy. But then when you step into the relationship, that's really where your feminine energy can flourish. And as you get to know the person that you are dating, of course, bring your, bring your balance out, you know, your masculine, your feminine, all of your juicy pieces. So I hope that answers that. Let me know if there's more to that. Put another question or more in the chat. But the other piece I wanted to speak to, which I believe circumvents so much of what we're talking about, is really authentic standards. Accepting that whenever you have a standard, there is a price to pay for that standard. You can't have a standard and please everybody. You can't have a standard and be willing to talk with every single person on the dating apps because the two are in direct conflict. So by having a standard and being willing to stick to it, what that means is you're going to have to say to some people, thank you, but this isn't a match for me. And you gently and beautifully close it as quickly as possible because your time is valuable and you move on to the ones which are right for you. So much is important around getting clear on what your authentic standards are so that the minute you see somebody is not showing up in that formation for you, you know it's not a match and you gently close the connection in the way I just described and you seek out the people who are a match. So it's really important to know what your standards are, to be able to recognize them in somebody when they're presented in front of you, and also to recognize when it's not a match and be willing to very quickly, gently and lovingly close the connection and move on so that you're not wasting your time. Mm. I really appreciate the bringing in of what is it to really hold that like loving place around your standards and really be in connection with what is true for you. What do you deeply want? Because a lot of what I've experienced that we've learned, especially as women, but Stephen, you can possibly connect in with this as well, is to compromise ourselves in order to experience relationship. I need to shift my standards in order to experience relationship. And where we end up in relationships we're not really wanting to show up for or that aren't fitting what we're deeply wanting in those experiences. I really appreciate you bringing that in, Natalie. Something that I'm now in the balance in as host is we have kind of this short, gorgeous amount of time. And I'm going to throw it back to the audience. There's one question that feels really, really important to bring in that I'm going to bring in next. But I'm curious if you would rather have us for kind of like this final round. We're going to have one more round before this. A final round of like hilarious dating stories because I want Freya's on this. So this is selfish of me. I really want Freya's story on this because I got to be there and like receive her after it. It was hilarious and superhuman. And just to like make us all like very real in this navigation. Or if you'd like something more on like advice and like, what are we offering into the field of, yeah, how do we care for dating in 2023? So put that into the Q&A or into the chat, which one you would uh, prefer. Maybe I'll just, 
uh, invite Freya to share her story because it's hilarious. And Freya's sitting there like, no, don't make me do it. I am a Brit and I don't want to bring all of my dating things into the world. That's fine. And the next question I'll dive into, please bring into the chat kind of like what direction you loves want is around when do we talk about the big things? When do we bring in, I want children? When do we bring in, I want life partnership? When do we bring in different parts of our bigness into this conversation? I see Freya and Melody jumping onto this question. Melody, I'll offer it to you, Freya, you can go after. But yeah, when do you bring in the big parts of your life and what you're caring for? Oh, I don't fuck around at all. I don't fuck around before I've met somebody. If the if the invitation and if the conversation is vibing, I will ask straight out, like, what are you looking for? Why are you on this app? What brings you to these apps? That might like filter out whether I'm even going to meet up with somebody or not. And then you can gauge, you know, it's an energetic thing. And if I feel like I desire to have a child with this partner, I would ask, you know, but if I'm not, if on the first date and I feel like it's a no, um, I'm probably not going to be asking those kind of questions. But for me, there's no kind of waiting around on those things. I know that I want a family. I know that I want to have kids. And I also think that I want to be dating somebody that knows what they want knows that they want kids, knows where they like what they want to be doing with their lives because that's inspiring for me. They don't need to tell me that they want to have 2.5 kids and they want to live in the countryside and they have their entire life planned out. But if it's a full fuck no for them, then that's a full fuck no for me. So for me, I don't feel like there's any waiting time and those kind of things. I feel like I want to be dating and relating with people that have the emotional maturity to be able to have those conversations and don't shy away from them. Because if they're shying away from them on the first date, they're going to be shying away from them on date five, date six, date seven. I'm just going to hop in quick. Some other layers that were invited in that question that I want to point at too, when it comes to like kids lifestyle was also in the direction of like trauma history, mental health, those like the patterns that we experience could be another way of framing that. And those feel like distinctly different. So I just want to offer just another like minute for when do you bring those in kind of the conversation of like, what are you working on in your learning curves and your learning edges with the patterns that we've all inherited from the last like 10,000 years of humans being human. Yeah, I actually had a date a couple of months ago, um, maybe like a month ago and the first date he cancelled and he cancelled literally about five minutes before I was going to leave the house. And then he messaged me the next day to let me know that he suffered from suffers from depression. And I actually have a lot of spaciousness for that. I was like, okay, cool. Um, I w- obviously, I would have loved to know sooner in an ideal world, but he was obviously in some kind of cycle and I have a lot of spaciousness for that. So we went on a second, on a, on the first date, we arranged the first date again and we went. And for me, it's more about what are you doing about your mental health? How are you consciously taking care of yourself? and this particular man wasn't really actively doing anything about it. So for me, that's not inspiring. For me, I can't be in a relationship with somebody that isn't looking after themselves, but I actually have a lot of spaciousness for humanness and, you know, we're all moving through things and it's kind of, he messaged me the next day to let me know straight away and he apologized and he was like, this is what was playing out for me. I'd still really love to catch up. And I was like, yeah, cool. No worries. Yeah. I think if you're not actively looking after 
your mental health and it's impacting your ability to socialize and meet people, there's a mismatch there for me. So yeah, I want to know that the person that I'm relating with is taking care of themselves because essentially I'm desiring for us to be taking care of each other. I appreciate that addition. Gosh, we live in the social cultures that we live in, mental health challenges or having patterns that are challenging to navigate emotions that can be challenging to navigate is a part of as far as i can track in the world par to the course and then it comes back to that kind of piece around like how are you going to choose to be responsible for yourself your energy and your aliveness while you navigate that appreciate that already freya I think a big part of it is also where what kind of apps are you using and getting tuned into the energetics, the intentions of the the apps that you're on and using the filters. The filters are your best friend in some regards because you can really get into that clarity, okay, what are my deal breakers and what are my what are the spaces that I'm malleable on? And if you're using Tinder, for instance, it's you, you can get into the the nuances if you know your way around, but it's much more of an open, wide space. Whereas on Hinge, for instance, you can get very clear about what are my boundaries, what are, what are my my deal breakers, and then you don't receive messages or interactions from people like mine are no smoking, no cannabis, and I do want kids. So. If somebody in their own sovereignty hasn't already lined up with those pieces, then those are kind of my my baselines. And then you're not wasting time going into those pieces. And around the mental health, I think those pieces come out a little bit later. And it's nice. I really appreciate getting on the phone with people, having, having that discussion before meeting up so that I can get a sense of what's their voice like. How do they respond? What are their pauses like? Are they breathing with me? And if they're if they're on a video, what's their eye contact like? And um, you can really feel so much that comes through from that. I had a great discussion with Nashley the other day, and maybe you want to speak into this, Nashley, but around the body signals, I really feel it as worth bringing in because if you haven't done your internal work, you may be operating from the spark, the trauma response, um, the patterns that have been playing out in relating for, for your whole life and generations. And you see that picture and you get that activation. But what if that activation is actually a signal of, of the trauma response rather than that integrated space of feeling congruent within your body? So your body may not actually be the, the best signal. I want to hand over to Natalie. I want to hear what you have to say on that one. Thanks for yeah. I, I feel like you you pretty much summed it up there. Um, but what what we were saying in our conversation the other day was there, and particularly in spiritual communities, there can be this big sort of oh, you should feel it aligned in your body, and you know your your body should be the thing that tells you if somebody's a great match or not. I see Melody shaking her head frantically. <laughs> um, I would say let me first of all say yes to that with a huge caveat. The the huge caveat is that you have cleared out all of your emotional trauma, all of your historic emotional baggage, and you are completely and utterly attuned with your body and you trust it with your life. You trust it as a, a very highly attuned instrument. If you meet those criteria, 
yes, 100% your body will guide you. 98% of the population, I'm guessing there, um, haven't done that. And so the vast majority of us, we are carrying emotional baggage, trauma. We are carrying um, unhealthy relating patterns. And our body recognizes those and sends us quite strong signals when we have a pattern that we recognize. But that does not mean it's a good pattern. This is what you have to be so, so clear on is that if your heart gets racing and you get the sweaty palms and, you know, you're, you can't stop thinking about them and, you know, that you're sort of obsessively thinking about them. That does not mean you found your soulmate. That means you are probably having a trauma bonding response which is a pattern from your childhood, which is not serving you. And actually, the best thing that you would do would be to work with a coach or a therapist for, it doesn't even need to be a huge amount of time, but to, to break that pattern, to shift it so that you can actually start to have a new experience. So one of the questions that I always say to my clients is, if you feel this way towards somebody, how has it served you in the past? Has that led to a brilliant relationship that you know, was everything you wanted it to be. And if it hasn't, then maybe it's not something you want to be trusting in your body. I really appreciate the, like, <laughs> the recognition of like, if you're like fully sovereign in your relationship with your body, if you're just like, you have no emotional baggage, no trauma, none of that. And you saying 98%, I'm like, I would want to put that at like 99.779, like 9.99, like, like there's lots of nines behind that. And to make it really real that we're all navigating that. We're all learning in that. We are in this world that has those patterns. And so it takes work. And for many of us, it takes years. Like I will be the first dating and relationship coach to acknowledge that that signal still comes up in my body when I'm attracted to people. It's so ingrained in the social cultural learning. And Melody, as you were saying, it takes a lot of care and slowing down to listen to a different signal or to recognize that signal is signaling something that I actually don't want when I've been taught to want it. Very powerful. Jennifer, we have two minutes that you can kind of like bring in your love and then we're going to have some wrap up conversations and I have some invitations for you loves. Yeah, thank you. I was really on fire with that question. So I'm happy I get to speak uh, about it, especially to take another angle. Um, what I read in the question is also this, um, this thought of when do I bring in maybe fears or um, topics that might be a bit challenging. And for me, I think it very much depends on you as a person. For me, uh, authenticity and being myself is one of the top priorities in my life and everything that I do. So I want to show up in my dating world very early on, like even on my profile, I will show up with certain things that I feel comfortable to share. Maybe it's just like Melody say, I'm looking for depth in a relationship. So I've had really like some of the best dates I've had, we shared really deep fears. Um, emotions and traumas early on um, and I really like that I really like because it gives me this perspective of knowing yes this person is up for talking about that this person ha holds the emotional capacity to talk about it and I also learn what have they done like what are they doing in their life and what path have they taken and 
it makes me feel safe. Like I love these talks. It makes me feel safe. It makes me interested in the person more. Um, it opens my heart more if they really show themselves in all that they are. But I think it's very personal and we all need to, I don't need to push myself to share a story just because I think it's good. I think I should, I really need to listen to ourselves. Like what is that comes out authentic the most? And if the other person is running away from what I'm sharing, then I think it's also okay. Like it's once more the, the choosing, like letting the people go that can't meet you for who you are. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. Thank you for bringing that in. Okay. I have one last question. Steven, this is all coming your way, so be prepared. Because I have uh, a sense that our audience really wants to understand the masculine perspective, really wants to understand what is it, what is it like on your end, kind of like from your personal world, but also I know that you support you've supported men in this kind of like navigation of dating. And I'd be curious specifically about like the question that was asked earlier around like women bringing their masculine action into dating and they're like, this is what I want their directiveness into dating and your experience of that and connection with that. And if there's anything in this last kind of piece around kind of like, when do you reveal the big pieces of what you're caring for in the relationship? I have a, I have a feeling you'd have some very powerful pieces to bring in specifically around like trauma, mental health because of your background. So I'd love for you to take that away and imagine that'll start bringing us into a close. Please bring the masculine into this space. Yeah. Thank you. I'm kind of giggling. Cause I think that's like a whole hour and a half webinar in of itself. And so to succinctly put that in two minutes, I guess the best way I can take this one on is just to speak from my own perspective. And as, as someone who gravitates to more uh, a young kind of flavor of expression, who, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur, business owner, I spend a lot of my time and energy uh, rocking my, my inner masculine young go mode. And I like to show up to relationship in the same way. And what I find is, is that if there's two people, irrespective of what's in between their legs, if they're bringing that go young energy to the space at the exact same time, what, what it does create is, or has a tendency to create is a little bit of dissonance. And like, there's like too much energy trying to fill a space to, to simplify it. There's a dynamic that I like to call the, the leader and participator dynamic. And like, again, irrespective of, of one's gender or gender identity, if there's two people trying to lead, like, hey, let's go this way. No, 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 let's go this way. No, 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 but I think we should go that way. It creates this like energetic stalemate, which inevitably creates tension, contraction, and a lack of connection. There's like a lack of a sense of gelled togetherness, cohesion. However, when someone is deeply embodied in their heart and soul-centered leadership, and they bring something to the table that's like, hey, I felt into this deeply. I think we should do this thing. And someone goes, oh my God, this person feels me. They're attuned to me. They get me. They understand our relational dynamics so well. I'm such a fuck yes to saying yes to that. Let's go do that. Like that's super potent. So if someone can play the role of, of strong, strongly attuned, emotionally available, and energetically sensitive soul-led leadership, 
and someone feels that they're felt to such a deep degree that this person really gets me and understands where I'm at and who I am, like, I want to say yes to that and kind of follow that lead. And so to me, it doesn't really matter who who plays that role, just from like a big picture, 30,000 foot view perspective, and like reeling it back into at the level of self, like, I, I enjoy that process of doing that energetic and emotional attunement, finding out like, what's the direction that my heart and my soul, and sometimes my cock want to lead me in. And collecting the the unspoken energetic data that informs my leadership to go in a certain direction and having someone who sees me in my skill and capacity to do that and appreciates that and is a willing heart open participant because they feel seen heard and felt like that's so sexy to me so i like to play the masculine polarity in my relationships i hope that answers your question in the way that you're desiring it may not answer the question directly, but I'm appreciating what we're receiving in the field from you speaking to this. Thank you so much for bringing that perspective in, Stephen. It's really nourishing to be in like the blessing that it is to receive like someone in their masculine, a man describing and connecting to like what they're caring about in their masculine. Because in my experience and working with women primarily, There's a lot of complexity that we navigate in relating with men from the histories that we've come from. And so there's a lot of like power to hear someone who's done enough work. And I know that you continue in your work from understanding who you are as a person to keep showing up to what is that learning edge and what is possible in relationship from there. So thank you so much. So, yeah, I want to thank all of our panelists, all of the answers, all of the information that's kind of come through to invite us into this inquiry and this question that I'll give also to you loves of like, what are you wanting in your dating life? What are you wanting to embody? What are you wanting to experience? What lights you up? What are you like, fuck, there's a whole world that's full of 10,000 years of bullshit and I still want to experience this in relationship with someone. I want to invite you to feel that, to connect with that. If you find yourself experiencing that in your life, to like feel that. And if it's something that you're wanting and isn't yet here, feel that. And I want to offer in connection with that feeling, that elated, that almost like imaginal visionary space that we can enter when we invite ourselves to feel that, that in the world that we're navigating with the traumas, the complexity, the instant gratification and the dopamine hits and all of these pieces that we've brought humor, but also like very serious recognition of, it takes resilience to show up in dating. That vision that you can feel that expansiveness, maybe some of you felt a contraction or a fear around it. Maybe some of you are like, oh my gosh, yes, I want that. (laughs) At the end of the day, what allows us to experience that in relationship is the continual choosing of going in the direction of that relationship, of that experience of relationship through the challenges, complexities, roadblocks, rejections, complexities. I said complexity a thousand times. Dating is complex. 
We need our full aliveness, our full embodiment, and our full willingness to look at ourselves and really show up to that mirror, as Melody was pointing to, to be able to experience what we're wanting to experience. And that's a lot of what Wild Grace and our next online initiation is about. We're journeying through the feminine principles of reclaiming all of the pieces of ourselves and looking at how can we be resilient in each of the archetypal pieces of the feminine, which includes our own masculine being on board to be able to lead us in the direction so that we can land in relationship with someone where we can get the opportunity to sink in. So I want to invite you loves to this experience with us. Freya, Melody, and I will be teaching in this experience and offering you loves this, yeah, archetypal journey into what actually honors our nervous system and helps us regulate those sparky moments in being alive and in being in relationship with others. How do we look at the patterns of anything from entitlement and those ways that we get up on those pedestals thinking we're so much better than everyone else and someone just has to be perfect and then I'll love them, (laughs) including ourselves. To shift out of those patterns of hiding and lethargy, the helpless damsel that's like, I don't know how to navigate these apps and it's just so hard and I wish I was in the 18th century and it was just easy. It wasn't. We romanticize that a lot. (laughs) It wasn't easy. And to learn to show up for the challenges of life where we have been taught to become soft, not in a surrendered way. Soft in a like non-existent floating into the void kind of way. This is some of the deepest parts of the lesson of embodying the feminine. Is recognizing we need our own inner masculine to really hold us to invite us in the direction that we're really wanting to feel and expand and grow and like uh, just experience the expression of what's possible in our lives and in our desires. So if what I said felt juicy, enlivening, or even made you a little bit scared or those parts of you that were going into contraction, like, oh, no, 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 don't find me. I'm protecting you. Go away. I don't want you to help me. Highly recommended that you lean in with us. This is one of our most accessible offers right now. It's on its early bird for the next three days. So it's $1,700 US to join us for a six-week deep dive initiation into the feminine starting March 6th. And also, if you love sign up within the next 24 hours, you get 5% off. Yeah, thank you everybody for coming into this chat. I want to say that this is a really big conversation that we've brought in. Every single one of these panelists could have held this conversation for this time plus. And I want to invite people to really continue having this conversation because I don't feel like we're having enough of it on social media. So please keep it up. Make a post about your dating life, everybody in the webinar. Um, Let's normalize dating on apps. And um, I really appreciate everyone in this panel who has the courage to come in, talk about their personal experiences, their stories, to really bring in the culture of where we've come from and where we want to go. Because if we want to shift away from toxic narrative and behavior in these these realms, it's going to take everybody 
um, showing up in a new way and leading by example. So thank you. And you will be getting an email very shortly from um, from us at Wild Grace, but also including the contact details of everybody who's been on the panel and their personal offerings. I really highly recommend the, the juicy offers that you will be connected to and the educational platforms and the coaching. So if you're looking for personal help or you're looking to really consume healthy content around how to shift your way of dating and relating, then this will be a great email to receive. And we look forward to your emails and uh, your reflections on more things around dating that you may want to hear about. Yeah. Something I would love to invite you loves to do is to go on over to our Instagram and share with us in a DM. What was it like being in this conversation? What are you thinking about now when it comes to dating, relating and showing up in your power? What boundaries and standards are you realizing you're getting to be connected with now? Yes, we want to hear your personal stories. And maybe if you come to Instagram, I can continue to convince Freya to share this hilarious, magical story. I I know you don't want to share it, but it's so good. So if you come over to our Instagram and watch us over the next seven days, you will be seeing my loving invitation for Freya to share the hilarious magic that this human moment was. Oh my gosh. I'll also share one of my embarrassing stories, Freya. Don't worry. (laughs) Normalize embarrassing stories. Okay, thank you, everybody. Bye, Bye, wonderfuls.